This is an ABC podcast. This podcast contains offensive language and other cool stuff. The following work is a gross abuse of copyright. Names, places and events have been unchanged. I've done this with the firm belief that a king's story is more important than the literary regulations I flaunt. Todd Noy, Sao Paulo, 1991. This is Finding Drago, and I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. I'm a podcaster, comedian, and filmmaker. Basically, I'm a tremendous nerd. A little while ago, I was re-watching Rocky IV for a now-defunct film podcast I once hosted with my best friend Cameron James. Rocky IV, by the way, is the one where Rocky fights the Russian boxing machine Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren. In my extensive research on this film, which I conducted exclusively on Wikipedia, one sentence in particular really stood out to me as something extremely strange. Todd Noy's 1989 book, Drago, On Mountains We Stand, chronicles the rise of Ivan Drago after his defeat in Moscow. The book is affectionately referred to as Noy's final masterpiece. I'd never heard of this book, or Todd Noy for that matter. And I had some questions that I needed the answers to. One, who would write an entire novel about the bad guy from Rocky IV? Two, where could I find this masterpiece? And who the frickin' hell is Todd Noy? I didn't know it at the time, but my nerdy search for answers would be the tugging of the first thread of an unravelling mystery about Ivan Drago, patriotic propaganda, the underground world of fan fiction and fake identities. Can I just jump in here for a second and say you are the only person pulling on these threads. If you weren't pulling on these threads, they would remain unpulled on and nothing would be different. Well, let me correct you on this, Cameron James. Here we go. I'm not the only one pulling on these threads. It's me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and you, Cameron James, doing it together as we always do. We've done literally Lots of podcasts together, and that is our style. We do it together, and I can't do it without you, Cam. No, we had very humble beginnings as two guys talking about movies. We were the Mm -hmm. first people to ever do that. Yeah, we were. You can look it up online (laughs) (laughs) or go to your local library, ask them for information, and you'll see the tale begins with us talking about movies. If you go to your local library and you say, who invented Talking about movies on podcasts, they go, it has to be Alexi and Cameron. Yeah. It has to be those two. It has to be. No one ever did it before. And we did it, uh, I mean, many years ago. I'm going to say four or five years ago. Maybe not that long, but a while (laughs) ago. It was a podcast called the Blank Slate Movie Podcast, Uh where we would be exploring cinema as a whole. (laughs) (laughs) 
And there was one episode of that podcast that has stayed with us. Yes. It's followed us. It's tracked us down. It's taken over our lives. Yeah. And we've always wanted to continue that story. And thankfully, the Australian government via the ABC (laughs) has given us that opportunity to have to finish that story off. So the episode of our very first podcast, uh, The Blank Slate, that has haunted us to this day mm. was a an unusual one, to be honest. It's one that when we recorded it, I didn't think much of it. It's yep. kind of like you don't realise you're making a masterpiece. Yep. I imagine it's kind of like how the Beatles felt. Yeah, or how Michelangelo felt the first time he met the other Ninja Turtles. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so that was, it was an episode about Rocky Four. Yeah, Rocky Four. Now, if anyone is unfamiliar with the Rocky franchise, Alexi, please step us through these movies. Rocky, mm-hmm. what is it about? So Rocky, the first film, 1976, written by Sylvester Stallone. In a couple of weeks, he locked himself in his house. I said, I'm looking at a uh, script. And then he wrote a script for a film called Rocky that would star him as Rocky, a boxer. A marble-mouthed boxer Mm -hmm. from Philly who challenges the champ, loses, but wins the respect of a city. And the entire country as a whole. the heart of a young woman, played by Talia Shire. Yes, Coppola. The Coppola dynasty was once involved with the Rocky dynasty. Originally, the movie was going to be called Sweet Chili Philly because it was set in Philadelphia. During the colder months. (laughs) Yeah, during the colder months. But But Rocky, the original film, it won Best Picture at the Oscars in Mm. 1976. A lot of people forget that. A lot of people forget that. And I don't know how you could because if you've... If you've never seen that photo of Sly and his weird tuxedo, <laughs> velvety tuxedo <laughs> with riffles and ruffles, yeah, he looks like he looks like he's wearing a pirate shirt from Seinfeld, <laughs> yeah. clutching that statue. It is one of the greatest photos ever taken on a red carpet. Which is why I wear it as a t-shirt and give out flyers saying, "Remember, Rocky won one best picture. Don't forget it." But it's very different to how the franchise itself would evolve. The first mm-hmm. film is quite a subtle, nuanced character to study those kind of movies that were being made in the 70s all the time during that American New Wave movement of wonderful directors coming to tell their personal stories. Yeah, I'd say it's a prestige drama that lives in the body of a sports drama. Mm. And that's very deep. (laughs) That is very beautiful imagery you just painted. (laughs) So then the franchise continues. We have Rocky 2, which is similar to Rocky 1. We have Rocky 3, which is kind of stranger. I believe Hulk Hogan is in that one. (laughs) And then we have Rocky 4. And Rocky 4 is when the franchise makes a dramatic shift, I would say. Yeah. It is different. It stands alone in history as perhaps maybe the most iconic of the Rocky movies because it is also not well regarded critically, but it has become an icon of popular culture. So why why is Rocky Four so iconic? What is it about this movie? First of all, what's this movie about? I think what this movie is about, it's about an underdog Rocky. How is he an underdog? Isn't he the number one boxer in the world by this point? He's, in the yes, Cameron, he is a billionaire that owns a Lamborghini and a robot butler by the time Rocky <laughs> Four starts. Uh, but he is still the underdog because he's played by Sylvester Stallone, and he has to be. That's how he is. Yeah. But he and Apollo Creed are now best friends, played by the wonderful Carl Weathers. Mm. They come back together 
to fight a greater threat. What threat would that be? The threat is the threat of the Cold War, the Soviet Union, Russia, which is embodied by Ivan Drago, or Ivan Drago, as I will henceforth call him, because it is easier for me to say. (laughs) Played by Dolph Lundgren. uh, And he represents Russia as a whole. He's like this collective force. He is the Red Glove. He's the Siberian Express. He's death from above. He's the Iron Curtain incarnate. And this movie is about America versus Russia. Who will win? Well, America wins. (laughs) America does win. Rocky has this rousing speech uh, where he famously says, if I can change and you can change, we can all change. And he single-handedly or two-handedly, because he's a boxer, ends the Cold War. Yeah. In real life as well, I feel like this film has kind of represented that ending of the Cold War. Not Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall. Rocky, punch the guy. (laughs) (laughs) The whole crowd of Russian people starts chanting his name. Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. The robot butler gives him a thumbs up. His kid loves him again or something. I don't know. The point of the movie is, though, that America will defeat any foe. And this character of Ivan Drago is, like, probably the most iconic Russian character out there. I was thinking about this. There's only, like, a handful of famous Russian characters in Hollywood movies. There's Ivan Drago. There's Chekhov from Star Trek. um, Black Widow from The Avengers. And then all the Bond women that strangled men by their dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from them, it's, it's just Ivan Drago. And I was wondering... Is this an offensive representation of a Russian person on screen? It must be. It feels like we're watching American propaganda all these years (laughs) later. We were curious to find out if it actually was offensive. So we talked to a friend of ours, Igor Mess, and he's a stand-up comedian in Russia. Here's what he had to say about that. First of all, I should say that this is one of, like, most powerful uh, movie hits from my childhood. Really? So there was no need there was no need to to, to watch it again. But oh, yeah. I did. You were but very familiar with Rocky Four. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Because now, like when Soviet Union collapsed and all the Western content came to Russia, we were like, Wow, what's happening? This is what the world is. Wow, wow. Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is the heroes of my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> no because, way. Yes, yes. Because in 80s, these uh, movies and all the um, American content was banned, was mm. forbidden okay. in uh, Soviet Union. So when Soviet Union collapsed, Everything came, you know, from all the movies from 80s, from 70s, from 90s at the same time. And we were like, wow, wow, wow. Every day we were, we were watching like two movies a day. You're like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the life we want to live. So let me ask you, Igor, uh, how was it seeing the villain of a big American movie be a Russian dude? Was that offensive to you? Well, uh, the problem I see now uh, in uh, international uh, relationship is people 
who knows about the world from movies, you know? They think that Russia is that Russia from a Rocky IV movie. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, it's, this, is, it, this is the worst thing in, in, in our international, and in, in, in Russia as well. Like, uh, they think um, only by stereotypes about countries, mm. about yeah. Yeah. Uh, mentality of countries, about culture of that countries. And uh, taking this uh, idea, if I had any chance to watch uh, Rocky IV uh, movie in 1985, when mm. it was made, I think it could be a, um, very painful for, yeah. for, my, mm. for my vision of a world, because uh, during all the Soviet times, we, we had almost the same stories, almost the same structures of stories. But vice versa, when we are good guys and this mm. kind, this type of people, they are bad guys. But here, bam, you are bad guys and you look yeah. the same. Draga isn't a human. It's uh, like uh, typically uh, made a collective machine of all the Soviet society. Yes, it's not about a personal war. For Rocky, it is a personal war. So, Igor, how do you feel about the character of Rocky? I had this empathy to Rocky. He was much closer to me because um, if you remember uh, what his training was, he was chopping the woods and mm -hmm. uh, running across the snow hills uh, mm -hmm. and so on. This is what my childhood was. We had nothing like this high technology, mm. well-equipped stuff Ivan Drago had in that movie, you know? So we thought that... That Rocky is our guy, yeah. You know, because that was that was our weekend. <laughs> well, that's uh, so funny. <laughs> Luckily for us, Igor, you uh, you found the arts instead of becoming uh, <laughs> an athlete. You didn't yeah, have to pull trains every day. You know, oof, oof, <laughs> I, I, sh I have to say it, that. Uh, okay, this is an action movie. This is a sport drama. Mm. It is a weapon of American propaganda, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but. At the same time, this particular movie, for us, for Russians, it has um, good pieces of comedy. Because scriptwriters, they have no idea what our language is and what <laughs> our life is. Because they have these pieces when this like sports manager, I don't know what, yeah. but he has some pieces <laughs> when he pretends uh, that he speaks Russian to Ivan Drago, <laughs> and it's like it's, it, it, it has it, it's it's less than meaningless. It's less than nothing. It's it's just a, like a cat uh, dancing on a keyboard oh of a scriptwriter. Like dress not rocks like just nothing. That is and amazing. As 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 it has no sense at all. It wasn't translated and it wasn't dubbed in Russian oh my version God. as well. So it's so, just him so saying we were, we were, random we mumbling. Like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> what? It's like aliens, aliens from the <laughs> space. What, what language he's talking about? And this is not about the spoken word only. It's uh, very funny <laughs> when they have uh, this fight. You know the word round. First round, second round, third yeah. round. And they have a screen there. In Russian, it, it is the same word, round. round. Yeah. Uh, so, but they wrote another word which means nothing again. Just <laughs> a number just of made letters. Up a word. Instead of instead of round, uh, uh, raz. So for us, it has proper c c comedy. That is it, amazing. This film. I think Sylvester Stallone was pulling triple duty: writer, director, star. And fourth duty as the Russian consultant himself. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Who was trying to, to, to earn all the money from, from the budget. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. 
uh, I should say to all your audience that uh, that character of uh, huge and uh, dumb and strong Russian guy, Ivan uh, Drago, was made by a Swedish guy. Yeah. Even um, uh, how he looks, it's very Scandinavian. It's not Russian look. It's not yeah. Look. We couldn't um, imagine that this is one of us, you know? So if you hate us because of a Rocky IV movie, <laughs> please hate Sweden. It's not okay. Russia at all. Direct if your you hate want, towards you Sweden. <laughs> hate Sweden, yes. You, you, we have so many sanctions uh, on Russia now from the West and so on. So you should, you, the, ABBA songs should be banned, you know? Not, <laughs> not, not, Pray that they don't ban ABBA songs. I love those tunes. So, Lex, you're obsessed with this Ivan Drago character. Please explain to me why. Well, I am fascinated by him. I think he's he's such this strange character. He's this weird robotic non-entity. Like, he's such a big, powerful figure in the film. He has, like, no lines, and he's just a menace. Every now and then, you can see a bit of breaking behind him that he's being forced into this. And I've just been curious about him forever. I remember when I first was getting into the Rocky film franchise, maybe I was a beautiful preteen boy, <laughs> and I got to the point with Rocky Four where I started to be fascinated by this character, this villain. And I think it is mainly because... My family history, my background is Greek heritage. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> my grandparents came to Australia in the 1960s uh, because they were involved with the Communist Party and Socialist Parties. And my grandfather was going to be assassinated. Uh, yes, by fascists. So the fascists has kind of taken around the area of Greece after the Greek Civil War. But even before that, in the 1930s, my grandmother, her family was all involved in like Communist Party. And when she was a little girl, like five years old, the fascists took her brother away, who was like 16 at the time, who was like this young up and coming guy in the village, helping start the movement there. Yeah. And they took him, they tortured him and killed him. Oh my God. And he, the last thing that she ever saw from him she was the last person to see him was him yelling at her like go home go get mum tell mum and that's the story that's been stuck in my head my entire life I've known that that story my whole life wow. and so these communist socialist ideas have been taught to me or as the way I understood them growing up as these Political ideals informed by community and love and being able to care for each other, care for your neighborhood, care for your family, care for the greater community around you and to see yourselves as this collective unit full of individuals that are there to support each other and to care for each other and seeing Rocky, who was my personal hero, who I saw so much of myself in, this young, sensitive guy living in the inner city in this Mediterranean community. I saw that as me growing up. I see that as me. I'm dumb as well. Plus, you were always hanging around big frozen carcasses of meat. <laughs> I was always smacking those meats in the delis, just going back there. Hey, can I bash this cow for you back here? Always had that little bouncing ball in my dumb fedora hat. <laughs> Walking the streets, bouncing the balls. But then seeing him, my hero, the character I relate to the most, go up against this thing that also on paper should be representing me. Going up against communism, going up against the Soviet Union and seeing 
not what I knew communism to be, right. seeing it be this collective of people destroying the individual and going up against America, which represents the freedom of the individual and seeing mm. it as this kind of this very dark and robotic place where it's just this collective of people coming together to make one person strong, forcing him into this thing. And then also Ivan Drago himself being played by Dolph Lundgren, who is a very handsome and beautiful and tall and statuesque man. (laughs) But having him be this like killing machine with blonde hair, blue eyes, a tight body. That is much more <laughs> in the vein of the way fascists have been depicted for me. Yeah, you know? it's that very Aryan depiction. Very Aryan depiction. And he doesn't look Russian at all, as Igor said in our interview. And I, I have been having this internal struggle with these two characters in this weird 80s movie <laughs> that has a robot in it for no reason for my whole life on this like really deep and personal level so i've been fascinated by this character and having revisited this movie with you a few years ago around the time creed was coming out it awoke these feelings in me again and at that point we we're talking about the film going into a bit of research in them i went onto Wikipedia and just looked up Ivan Drago. Go to the character page because there was talk of Sly once upon a time wanting to do a spin-off where he would follow this character. Can I also say that um, mm. Wikipedia is the absolute extensive research that you are known for? Yeah, I love Wikipedia research. You can find lots of funny things out there. <laughs> once upon a time, I, I clicked on the link for Italy, the country of Italy, and yeah. the whole page had been stripped Hackers had got to it, and all it said was, Italy is full of Italians and meatballs. That was the whole page. And then I hit refresh, gone, back to normal. Can I also just say, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Technically, it wasn't a lie. It's absolutely fact. But they didn't put their sources. No sources. They didn't put the sources. <laughs> but on the Ivan Drago Wikipedia page, there was one sentence that just stood out to me. It burned into my retina and threw the retina into my mind. And the sentence said verbatim, Todd Noy's 1989 book, Drago on Mountains We Stand, chronicles the rise of Ivan Drago after his defeat in Moscow. The book is affectionately referred to as Noy's final masterpiece. A few questions yeah. pop up. First of all, you're reading that. Your first question has got to be, who the fuck is Todd Noy? <laughs> yeah, who the, who the absolute fuck is Todd Noy? <laughs> where it's like, not only you should know who Todd Noy is, but this is his final masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. And we are affectionately referring to it as such. There is so much inferred knowledge in this the, sentence. The second question that I have is, is there someone out there who is a, as obsessed with Rocky Four as you are? Mm. And is Todd Noy this person? Well, that's what I was wondering. And that's what kind of set me down this path of trying to find out everything I could about this book, getting my grubby little mitts on it. Mm. And going that next step further, going out of Wikipedia and onto Google and typing in those (laughs) words. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is. Have you got a degree in journalism or something? This is incredible. I dropped out of a journalism degree twice. Okay, I'll have you know that. So going onto Google, typing in those words, everything that I could find was bizarre. What comes up? The first thing that comes up is a Goodreads page for the book. Okay, so that's book reviews. Book reviews by people like you and I (laughs) 
who might read a book once upon a time and then go, I would love everyone to know my thoughts about it. Not professional critics. And this is the first review that I found. It's from someone we're going to call R. Swift. They logged it in August 22nd, 2013. This was my first introduction into the curious literature of Todd Noy and the amazing body of work that he brought into the world. I've been travelling around South America and ended up in Charla, a small town on the Pacific coast of Peru. Hang on a second. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, this is a book review, Cameron. This is a book review. I know you don't like the reviews of books. You've never read one before. This is how they all I've begin. I've been travelling around South America and ended up in Charla, a small town on the Pacific. That's how this book review starts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to it. As is often the case, my arrival coincided with the departure of another seasoned traveller. He was flying back to Europe the following day and so was keen to jettison any excess baggage that he had and amongst his trinkets was a battered first edition of Drago on Mountains We Stand, which I noticed later had been signed by the author. I sometimes imagined that this seasoned traveller could have been Noi, but I guess that's too much to ask. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so it's like they're talking about Todd Noi as if we're supposed to know who Todd Noi is. Like mm. this is some uh, elusive J.D. Salinger type who traipses around the world dropping <laughs> his, <laughs> dropping bits of literature off to travellers. Well, this is where it begins for me. This is where the mythology of Noi begins. It starts going crazy because it's like, isn't this like the premise to the film The Beach <laughs> and the book The Beach? I think, <laughs> I think it's Ewan McGregor and, uh, yeah, Tilda Swinton gives him the the map to, to the famous beach. <laughs> That's what's happening. There's more to this review. Let's keep God. going. I didn't think much of it until the following day when I lay on the beach and dug out something to read. For the next few hours, I was propelled into the world of Drago, an exhilarating story of how Ivan Drago fares after being defeated by Rocky. Mm -hmm. The style of the writing is a little off-putting at first. Those familiar with Noe's style will find what he is trying to do with his work somewhat delicious. But you cannot help being drawn into and ultimately moved by a man who resurrects himself both physically and mentally, and also restores the perception of himself to a wider audience, earning a respect and inner peace that had previously eluded him. I left the beach with an extra spring in my step, as one only can (laughs) after being inflated by a story of this nature. I wish I'd kept that book now, as it would surely have fetched a decent premium amongst die-hard fans of Noi, but I felt compelled to pass it on, and so I did on my final night in Charla to a fresh-faced traveller who had just arrived to enjoy that idyllic paradise. I only hope that beyond all odds, this tradition continues, and that traveller after traveller arriving in Charla is introduced not only to the world of Drago, but also to the work of Noi. I am left with one burning question, and hopefully someone will pick up the torch and answer it for me. Whatever happened to Project A? Oh, so that is also my first introduction into the curious literature of Todd Noy and the review by R. Swift. That is insane. That's not a book review. That's a that's a that's a book novella. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't that is incredibly well written. So R. Swift, whoever you are, you found the book Drago on Mountains We Stand, and instead of keeping it like a normal human did, mm-hmm. 
you pass it on to another weary traveller. Starting a tradition that could be passed on for generation after generation. Oh, those warm chala nights curled up on the sandiest of beaches with the book by Todd Noy. About... A movie from the 80s. Starring a villain that people find strange. (laughs) That is just the first review on Goodreads. The page on Goodreads is littered with over seven reviews. In fact, there are eight exactly. (laughs) And each one of them takes on a similar tone to Swift's review, where they are kind of building up that mythology of Todd Noy, building up that mythology of this book, which is just crazy to me. I needed to get my hands on this book. I need to find a copy. But the way it kept getting built up as this mythological thing, I thought there's no way it exists, right? It feels fake. It feels like this is some weird elaborate internet hoax. Mm. That's what I thought. Delving a little bit deeper through these comments on Goodreads, a few other pages, I was able to find out that there is a Facebook page. This, Uh. honestly, the level to your... (laughs) Private eye work. <laughs> it's astounding. This is deep dive. Serial should be taking note yeah. of the way that you conduct your research. Through these questions, I was able to find that if you are to message the Facebook page, they will send you a copy of the book. Yeah, Anywhere suspicious. in the world, whether you're in Chala or Sydney, Australia. <laughs> so I sent the Facebook page a message. The message I sent is, I've been hearing some excellent things about this book. Exclamation mark. I like to share my passion. Any chance you'd ship it to Sydney, Australia? They replied, you got it, my friend. I'll happily fire you a copy over from the UK. Let me know the address and I'll ship it straight away. I reply, exciting. Thanks for replying so quickly. My address. (laughs) The book replies to me again. Speed beats power, my friends. It'll be in the post today. Uh, and you received the book? I, I yep. yep. It arrived in the mail. Here it is. <laughs> Drago on Mountains We Stand by Todd Noy. Brand new copy. That looks actually like 100% brand new. Cameron, can you describe the book? Okay. All right. So it is using a, a fabulous modern graphic design Cover. I'd say it's like a pop art style version of Ivan Drago. We've got Drago written up the top in a font that is meant to look like Soviet writing. Yes, there is a reversed R. <laughs> Toys R Us style. R.I.P. Uh, and then on the back, there's a blurb, um, my redemption, my vengeance. So this is a personal story of Ivan Drago. Is it? To- is it? Oh, my God. There's more about Todd Noy on this book. Mm-hmm. What does it say on the back? In his most celebrated novel since the Alabaster Wars, <laughs> Todd Noy follows one of boxing's most dangerous and most important fighters, Ivan Drago. I mean, it says this is the most celebrated novel since the Alabaster Wars. This is not novel thickness. <laughs> this book is more pamphlet thickness. Can you tell me how many pages there are in the book? Right. Find that page count. Page... Uh, 87. 87 pages. How many chapters, Cameron? Find me that final chapter count. All right. Final chapter. Including the epilogue, 62. (laughs) So 62 (laughs) chapters over 87 pages. This is the book. This is Drago on Mountains We Stand. This is what happens to Ivan Drago after the events of Rocky IV... 
and not including the events of Creed 2 that is arriving in cinemas as we speak. <laughs> so I guess when uh, when we see Creed 2, we'll finally find out if this book is canon or mm. not. Have you read this book? I've read it a few times now. <laughs> well, I guess it's only 87 pages. Yeah, exactly. It's a quick read for me. I'm fascinated by this book still. Like, I think the actual book itself is strange and I like it quite a lot. Uh, it is written in this very this very propulsive present tense style. It feels like the Rocky movies where it's just that forward momentum. It feels like something Sylvester Stallone would have written. It's like the way he edits where it's just that propulsive energy pushing you forward, following this emotional journey of this character. It has the ups and downs, the triumphs, the losses that the Rocky films have. It follows Ivan Drago as he's an outcast in Siberia, traveling the earth, trying to come back as a boxer to defeat Clubber Lang, who is now the world champion because Rocky has retired. So it's not even canon with Rocky IV at this point. <laughs> uh, but also it follows the idea of the Soviets going further than they did with Drago. They create someone called Project A, as mentioned in Robert Swift's review. And even more so than Drago, this is a character that is robotic. Oh, reading the book the first time, I did think he was a clone or something. I did think he was like a Blade Runner or something like that, where it's just like, I don't know what this is. This is some sort of replicant. If you prick him, he probably bleeds milk, just like the Alien franchise. <laughs> and so it kind of puts Drago in the shoes of Rocky, where it's him exploring himself as an individual. Okay, I'm just uh, I'm going through this book right now. I've just gotten to the About the Author page mm-hmm. up the back here. On page 87. Yeah. So one of these pages is <laughs> about the author. And what's on the other side of that page? Uh, it's a blank page. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. About the author. Have you read this? Yeah. Of course you have. I'm very familiar with this. <laughs> Every single page on this book I have read. <laughs> I'm going to read this about the author section to you. I want your mm-hmm. reactions to this because it looks insane. Okay. Todd Noy was a Pulitzer Prize winning sports journalist and novelist from Perth, Western Australia. So Todd Noy, we have learned, is Australian. He's an Aussie. He's dinky dye. He's true (laughs) blue. I really would have thought this would have been an American or... Where did you say the book came from? Chala. <laughs> well, it was sent from England. But so far, this is an international story. Someone found it on the beaches of Chala. Someone has sent it to me from England and is written by a guy from Perth, Western Australia. All right. He, here's more of his credits. He has written for VFL Weekly, The Guardian, and KO Magazine. I assume that's a boxing magazine. I would assume so. Wow, this guy knows his stuff. Unless he worked for OK Magazine, the TV <laughs> guide. His novels include Oka Dyke, 1976, House of Fuego, 1980. Amazing titles, by the way, That's so far. Incredible House of Fuego. The Alabaster Wars, 1981. Got that one out quick. House of Fuego only one year earlier. Yeah. This guy moves fast. And Drago, 1989. He needed eight years to put this book together. Well, speed is better than power, my friend. That's true. He was awarded an honorary degree from the University of New Delhi Mm -hmm. in 1984. New Delhi. This is a globetrotting story. Wow. This is interesting. Noy disappeared in January 1992 after a long battle with alcohol and drug addictions. Mm. Presumed dead... 
A memorial service was held in his honour in Perth in December 1995. Wow. He is survived by his two sons, Marlon and Quince. (laughs) Marlon and who, sorry? Marlon and Quince. (laughs) So Marlon Noy and who, sorry? Quince Noy. (laughs) Marlon and Quince Noy. His two sons. So sorry. I'm so sorry uh, to Marlon and Quince. And uh, long-term partner, English cellist Elizabeth Harrington. This is missing, presumed dead. Yeah. So, Cameron, you can attest to this. This book is brand new. That's a... Oh, yeah. That is a brand new copy. It's a brand new copy. Open that front cover. Look on the title page and tell me exactly what you see there. Describe it to our friends listening to it right now. Okay. Front page. (laughs) (laughs) What do you see, Cameron? (laughs) On the title page now. Uh, It's uh, printed is On Mountains We Stand by Todd Noy and then scrawled in red texter is an autograph that just says Noi. This book has been signed and autographed by Todd Noi. That is insane. This, that book was not... This is not a 20-year-old book that I've just uncovered. No, this that's is new. brand new. The graphic design on it looks like it's from the last few years and there's a an autograph of Todd Noi on the inside. We're going to have to take a photo of that and put it up online or something like that. Yeah. If he's been missing since 1992, then how the hell? Well, that's what I want to know, Cameron. As someone who is fascinated and tortured by the idea of Ivan Drago and Rocky fighting each other and needing to understand who Ivan Drago is, I have a need to find out who else out there in the entire world cares enough who Ivan Drago is, especially someone who cares enough to stand on top of the mountain of popular culture that is Rocky IV, the movie that ended the Cold War, just to write this weird 87-page book in just under 60 chapters (laughs) to humanise Ivan Drago, to create that character further. I want to know who Todd Noy is. I need to know if he's still out there and where he is, if he's still alive. Who is Todd Noy? Who is... Hard noise. That was round one of Finding Drago. This series is produced by me, Alexi Toliopoulos. Presented and created by me and Cameron James. Big thanks to Jen Fricker for voicing the review by R. Swift. Our theme music is by Luca Baroni-Peters. Production and sound engineering by Bryce Halliday. Our consulting producer is Anna Bronowski. And our executive producer is Tom Wright. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. Yo, Adrians, I'm Rocky Balboa and you're listening to Finding Drago. Who is this Todd Noy? <laughs>